Hey everyone, thanks to all of you tuning in, including you listeners who may be new to the podcast. My name is Emil, and I had a very special opportunity to review one of the greatest movies of all time with three of my very good friends during my bachelor party in Denver. For those of you who are not familiar with the film The Room by Tommy Wiseau, I highly recommend you watch this movie before listening to the podcast. In fact, this movie is so great that it gets its own intro music. Enjoy. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. No, it's not true. Don't even ask. What's new with you? <laughs> what a story, Mark. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the 10th episode of the E-Wang Bang podcast, Everyday Commentary by Everyday People. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I'm joined today by some very special guests coming to you from a live recording from Denver. I'm joined today by a, f- a slew of E-Wang Bang gang members. Gang bangers. Gang bangers? <laughs> we're gang bangers. We're gang bangers? That's how it is. No, E-wing bang gang yeah. E-wing bang gang bangers. That's, what, that's <laughs> what we're called today. Uh, first up is Jeff Liu. You've heard his voice before on every other movie review that we've done before. How's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, hello out there to all the gang bangers out there. <laughs> and we got two new guests today. One is a very good friend of mine, dating back to my New York days, and now lives in Seattle with me, Dan Luddy. The man Luddy. The man Luddy. is what we call you. <laughs> and the other, uh, the other special guest today is my very good friend, dating back to 2008 when we met at a baby shower, Eric Swen, a.k.a. Wong Lee Home. All How's right. it going, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, amigos. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Today we're reviewing a fantastic spectacle of a film, The Room, starring Tommy Wiseau. Known to many as Citizen Kane of Bad Movies, the movie follows the story of Johnny, a man who is struggling with the fact that his fiancée Lisa is cheating on him with his best friend Mark. This movie is an abstract expression of a troubled man's mind, played out to a hot original soundtrack driven straight out of the 90s. I can't believe you, used, you actually used that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about as serious I can get about this movie. Because this movie sucks. <laughs> it's that's, pretty that's, shitty. That's probably a better synopsis than what they actually had in the marketing <laughs> material. Well, gratefully, yeah. I mean, I, I was introduced to this movie as, like like I said, one of the worst movies ever made. And I was curious about it because James Franco is doing a movie about the the people making this movie. Right. So if it if it's... If it's gathered that much attention, it's definitely worth our watch. That, that's the thing. Like when when you when I saw this movie, I didn't know what you were talking about. But when I saw like the poster and some of the scenes cut out from you know the illegal movie site that we watched it off of, uh, there's actually been a lot of memes that have like popped up from this movie that I didn't recognize. And I always assumed that it was just some like poorly made Eastern European movie like <laughs> that found its way to, like to some sort of cult following in the states. But this is an actual. American-made movie by an American, so, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, we might go to this later, but, I mean, is Tommy Wiseau really an American? What I mean, is an American? He's a man 
chasing a dream, a dream to be loved, Emil. And that's <laughs> and that's all you can really ask of an American. You you cannot <laughs> deny Tommy Wiseau the dream of making the room. Oh, okay. So let's let's break this down. What can, can you run us through the plot of the room? <laughs> There was a plot. <laughs> uh, a man is about to marry his fiance, but his fiance realizes that she only loves him or is only with him for financial stability. So she begins to cheat on him with his best friend, Mark. Now, all, all along, there's a, bunch, a slew of random characters that pop out of nowhere. The, the, the orphan child, Denny, the mother-in-law, Claudette. And then two random couples, one of which just fuck randomly on their couch when they're not at home. <laughs> Completely unexplained. Well, see, but like what you just <laughs> described right there, that sounds like, you know, the sitcom Friends on steroids, you know? Yeah. Like Phoebe and Joey, you know, roll into Monica's apartment and just fuck on the couch. You know, Wait, Ross yeah. appears out of nowhere <laughs> well, yeah, and that, makes some I, commentary on the side. <laughs> it, this, this movie was 2003, right? So yeah. it is possible that maybe he happened to have a few Friends DVDs lying around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how, how to make a movie was... Uh, right, was, uh, right. What do Americans like? They but, like friends, <laughs> but but see, like I, I think I think that the problem, like Wizzo, really did not have enough time to manifest the true nature of his dream here. Because if it... what, 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 <laughs> was he in a rush? Was he in a rush to make another movie? Because I have no idea if he's ever made another movie. No, he hasn't made he hasn't made another movie because he ran out of money on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like he paid for the full CGI. Of the San Francisco skyline, even though it was filmed in San Francisco. So, <laughs> um, the man's a visionary, but he's not very good with uh, with film budgets. Well, going back to the topic of the sitcom feel, I mean, the, the movie opens with a, I mean, literally with a door opening and somebody walking mm. in, and I felt like that's a scene where people should be clapping. Like, I, mean, I, I felt like I had to clap right away yeah. because it's a guy opening a door, coming in with some cheesy line saying yeah. like. Oh, hi, honey. Yeah. Like, almost a catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, this movie could have Johnny is my best friend and I love Johnny as, like, two different catchphrases <laughs> that, like, each one of the characters runs through throughout the entire film. But even as a sitcom, it would be an awful oh, sitcom. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking <laughs> terrible. Atrocious. I mean, it's, it's an awful anything, I, I think. No, but I mean, like, that... And the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that you have wrong with here... I mean, more than anything else, more than the acting even, it's just the complete lack of, like, story structure and oh, act yeah. structure. Like, mm -hmm. there's, there's, no, there's no line tying any one of the scenes together. Honestly, with the exception of the last scene where, spoiler alert, Johnny commits fucking suicide, <laughs> any one of these scenes could have been interspersed <laughs> at any other point in the movie, and it would still spoiler alert. be... be Probably as logical as it is in its current state. Yeah, I mean, there, and one of the critiques, if you will, of this movie is that there's a bunch of plot lines that are introduced, which are never tied up on. A, an example is the orphan child, Denny, who gets involved with a drug dealer. Does he, though? Does yeah. He... <laughs> I think so. He put, it, put a gun to his I head. I mean, that very well might have just been a hallucination because they fucking show up. This gangster shows up on Denny's roof, points a gun to the 
points a gun to the kid and just disappears for the rest of the fucking movie. So honestly, maybe he just tried drugs once and had a really bad trip. That's my theory. Oh, so... I mean, maybe he was trying to build out the franchise. He could have some spinoffs. Oh, oh Denny, there you go. There you go. You know, Joe, go uh, Joey goes to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Denny's room. <laughs> I don't know. I thought like the most like interesting critique that I've heard about this particular film was like um, they mentioned like it was as if somebody from outer space, like an alien, looked up like research how to make a movie, right? <laughs> right. And then right. they made that movie, right? Yeah. yeah. And then like so when you watch it, like, like like it sounds weird, but then when you watch it, you're like, holy shit! Like it's like these unnatural androids like speaking <laughs> to each other where it's just super weird and you it's a, but it, it's so weird that it's almost good because <laughs> like you know we watched it a couple times it's pretty funny. <laughs> i mean this really this really ties back to the mantra that it's so bad that it's good yeah and, and i feel as though there are a couple of movies that kind of like straddle that line uh, or a couple of actors that kind of straddle that line like for example paul walker Paul Walker is a frequent example of it's so bad that it's good. And, you know, lo and behold, in this movie, Tommy Wiseau, as, as flatline as he sounds, as, as much of an alien as, as he sounds like, man, watching him is just compelling. You cannot stop, like, like watching whatever he's saying because he says it in such a foreign and, like, <laughs> strange way that, that you want to you want to see if you can figure it out. It's like a puzzle. It's like, yeah. Would you describe that as charismatic or would you call it as just, like, like you just can't take your eyes off something because it's just so disgusting. Yeah, it's like, like, a, uh, it's like, a, like a train wreck well, kind of, like, it's so bad that it's good kind yeah. of thing, right? No, I mean, uh, like, watching watching uh, Tommy Tommy as Johnny really is watching a train wreck in motion. I mean, if 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 you guys haven't watched the uh, oh, what's what's the James Franco's movie called? Oh, the Disaster Artist. The Disaster Artist. If you just watched the trailer for The Disaster Artist, um, James Franco does a scene where he's on a rooftop and he does like 30 or, or like up 60 takes mm. of a single scene. And you actually see the scene in this movie here and you're just like, "Wow." That is incredible. That's incredible that it took them that many takes and that it was still that bad. And you still want to watch it. You still want to see why it was so bad and what like what were the plot points that led up to it. And even when you realize that there really aren't any plot points that lead up to it, you're just like, I still want to know what happens next. And that's that's really the driving force of this film. It's like morbid curiosity. I mean, the delivery of of Tommy Wiseau as Johnny is, is just so, like, there's no tempo to it. It sounds like he delivers a lot of these lines with just, like, as few, like, economically, breaths. Yeah. like, breath-saving as possible, which is why, like, a good example is just, like, he goes on a, a, a whole rant about how, and I can't, I can't do the accent, Jeff, you might have to do it, where he talks <laughs> about how he, he knows deep down in his heart he didn't beat his fiance so it goes something like <laughs> I, I did not beat her i did not do it i can't believe that they said that oh hi mark <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good yeah that's, that's pretty solid and there's so many lines in the movie like the, another one where he's you know him and mark are getting coffee and then you know mark's in the middle of talking about his clients that he deals with for business or he says something like oh you know you can't talk. I can't talk about my clients in front of you. Okay. By the way, how's your sex life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it like really getting back to Eric's point about how foreign Tommy uh, sounds. It 
it really is as it, I mean it's it's even worse than when you know you have a cousin from like out of the country that comes and visits you because at least at that point they're all slowing down to try and, you, like everybody's slowing down to try and understand each other. Tommy just sounds like he's afraid he's going to get caught. Like he he's speaking English like he stole the fucking language and everybody is looking at him like with suspicious eyes. And I, I mean like the, the entire movie carries on like that and and the best part of it is that all of his the supporting actors that are that are engaging with Tommy in this just pretend like it doesn't matter at all. And I, I think that's another fascinating thing that you're, that you're watching here, that you're seeing like supporting actors actually buy into whatever you want to call it, charisma or craziness. Yeah, it could be a deep commitment on their part as actors. <laughs> <laughs> but Met- I don't even... Acting. But, but honestly, like, you know, we're talking about Tommy mostly, but like across the board, the acting was yeah. subpar. <laughs> that, that's exactly so. what I was thinking. Is it's like everybody delivers their line like so robotically and just like, oh, very so, weird. So do you think that it was a result like like they had to play off Tommy, or do you well, think it was just a and, weak and talent pool that t- Tommy was out? Play off Tommy and have this like ridiculous dialogue that mm. you have to deliver, and do it in a way that I'm not sure what support they had, but it all around. I just I don't know. I wouldn't want to be in that situation. <laughs> I mean, from from what I've heard about the movie is, I mean, this honestly was probably like a first year drama people like got out of high school and then were looking for their first gig, looking for their first gig in Hollywood. I mean that poor girl showed her nipples more times throughout this movie than like was humanly necessary, honestly. Like we get it, okay? Like when we watch fucking like uh what what is that Angelina Jolie movie? Uh ah Oh, look, every celebrity has one nudie scene that the movie builds up to, and then it's paid off. In this movie, that <laughs> poor actress had to show her tits in like the first five minutes of the movie and 30 more times within the next 20 minutes. Mm. So, of course, she probably got coerced into it. <laughs> and she to, didn't know any better. To be fair, they use the same footage multiple times. It's true. Times. It's true. <laughs> yeah. and they, the same footage, the same robes that he's, uh, <laughs> he's dropping the pedals on. Sprinkling it on her. Oh, and, and on, the, on the topic of the sex scenes, I, I the first time I watched this movie, I was actually on an airplane. So, I, like, anytime a sex scene came on, I... I actually had to minimize it and you know pretend like and I was just listening to the audio. <laughs> just listen to the audio. And hide so his I raging did, erection. I did not have a full appreciation of the sex scenes of this movie until I I rewatched it today, and I gotta say anatomically, some of that sex didn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> like you know we we, we paused we, we we rewatched this. I mean it. it, it wait it, wait wait. You're not supposed to do it on the stomach? I mean, like, I, I, I thought that was, like, standard missionary, but that's missionary. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how you impregnate a girl, right? That's how you put a baby in her stomach. Right, right in the belly. Right, right through the belly. Right through the navel. Yeah. That's how well it I mean, hey, hey, that's how Tommy Wiseau does. That's how Johnny does it, okay? Yeah. Which, which, again, lends credence to the possibility that he is actually an alien. Yeah, <laughs> watching, it. watching a do-it-yourself video. <laughs> but even the soundtrack was like alien versions of oh Mariah Carey's oh, songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? No, no, no. I gotta, I gotta disagree with you on that, Dan. That, that soundtrack was fucking hot, it was man. Fire. That shit was lit. <laughs> 
That I mean, like, if you took that by itself, I guarantee you, if they had a music video on it, this would have hit the the V. This would have hit like TRL top ten for at least two weeks. <laughs> yeah. At least. Well, uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna have to say there was kind of a wide range of the types of music they were fucking to, right? So you had your boys <laughs> too, man, like or like Mariah Carey kind of R and B, so we. But there was a scene where they were banging to the Renaissance Fair like music. <laughs> it's like you know the, the the I don't know what they play the the bat, like bagpipes and hey, like fiddle leer or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in my mind, I pictured some dude in like a kilt, you know, in the, yeah. in the back of my mind, like playing these these instruments while they're bedding her on a bed of hay. <laughs> <laughs> Hot, <laughs> well described. But yeah, just the music and and also the cutting. I mean, the, look, the sex scenes were long in and of itself, and like it's very obvious that Tommy Wiseau probably edited most of this himself. <laughs> so he didn't want he didn't know how to do the audio editing. He probably didn't know how to take the excerpts that he wanted in there. So when they're doing these sex scenes, they last for the full three minutes you pay twenty dollars for a lap dance you're gonna get all three minutes of that song <laughs> three <laughs> times all right but i mean like with everything else like that's why he used such generic music mm-hmm. I-, I feel because like you, you didn't care when it stopped or started it, it literally was muzak it was elevated <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you would step into a scene and then it would start off with bagpipes and, on, and you know what honestly that was one of the most disorienting things she, he would be having a conversation with his uh, with his fiance, and then there'd be this like fucking scary like piano music playing in the background, while like they were smiling and making conversation at each other. And you're just like, I really don't know how to feel right now because a lot of what we watch in movies we take from musical cues. Yeah, you know, yeah. the fucking killer walks up on you on like you know like you're at the top of the stairs, you see a shadow at the bottom, you hear that piano play, you get all fucked up and scared, and then now you're watching them in a fucking bright bright ass room painted bright red. Like taking sips of their vodka whiskey combination <laughs> with with the fucking like killer soundtrack in the background, it's just really really disorienting. Yeah. And but to your point of disorientation, the dialogue itself is just like within Jarring. one conversation. Like Lisa, the fiance, could go back and forth between saying like, "Oh, Johnny's so great. He wanted to adopt this kid, but I don't love him. I, I want to break up with him. He's boring." Like you know, and then she'd go to like. Oh, I'm planning this party. Are you going to come? Oh, by the way, I don't love him. Like yeah. all these things. <laughs> it's it's stream of consciousness, honestly. Yeah. Like, and you you know you may want to attribute that to potential some sort of like mental illness on Tommy Wiseau's part because you really can't explain away like that much more based on based on how this film progresses. I mean, everybody knows a basic story. Mm. You know, honestly, like. Like we we probably could have done a better film. We have done better films <laughs> yeah. than uh, this in I, high school. I think we go back to some of our VHS exactly. history videos. I think we we we've done better for sure. Uh, but there's a couple other things I did want to touch on before I forget the football scenes. Now, for those of you who haven't seen this movie, there's iconic. just <laughs> iconic scenes of where. Anytime there's two or more dudes standing around. <laughs> and, and Denny's there. And Denny's there. They're always throwing the football around. And it's not in a manly way either. It's always like just kind of like a limp wrist like flick of an underhand football, which is like the 
not how you're supposed to throw a football, basically. You, so. you know what? Make keep your judgments to yourself, Neil. Right? I never learned how to throw a football. That's yeah. how I play. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you can't catch. Either, no, it's so. it's true. Yeah, but. I, I, I honestly don't know what the point of the football scene was, really. It was like... A scene? No, I mean... A couple of them. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it more served as a transition. I feel as though every football scene ended with somebody tripping. Or yeah, that, actually, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah and oh, then that's that, a good point. That yeah. person just disappears <laughs> for, like, for the rest of the movie. It's, it's, yeah. it's the kiss of death, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if it was just meant to establish, uh, hey, it's just us guys hanging out. We yeah. throw a ball around. We're That's guys, what guys do. We're Americans. We love football, <laughs> so we throw it around all the time. Constantly. You know what? I just had a theory. This is a this is a Polish propaganda film. Okay, <laughs> that they're going to show before the invasion starts. That like, no, we are American. This is what we do. We play football. We make love. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah, they got it figured out. Um, so one of the other scenes that I did want to talk about was the um, the final, and this is jumping around a bit, but the kind of the the discombobulation of the final twenty minutes, where the 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 movie kind of reaches a climax, if you will, where they're all at this. Who, whose party is it? Johnny's it, it, surprise birthday party. It, yeah, okay, so Johnny gets a surprise birthday party planned by Lisa, who, once again, need I remind you, doesn't love him, doesn't want to be with him. She wants to be with Mark, his best friend. And while they're at the party, she kind of starts rubbing up on Mark right in front of Johnny. There's a confrontation. They separate. End scene. And the next scene, they're still at the party, and then... Mark and Lisa are back at it again, and they have to f- they fight and they separate again, which is just completely absurd. And shows the dangers of alcohol, man. <laughs> is that how our nights go? <laughs> vodka whiskey. Is <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody who watches this movie, I highly recommend watching the last twenty minutes because there's just so many, so many things that just don't make sense, right? There's even the scenes, the cut scenes in between each dialogue show. So shots of the of San Francisco skyline, which makes leads you to think that they're in some building, but they're actually not in it. Like you, you don't even know where they are because it it suggests that the surprise birthday party is at like this really nice rooftop in a nice hotel, but in reality they're just at some shitty apartment. They're in the room. Exactly. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> no revelation. <laughs> Yeah, I still don't know what the room is. <laughs> I've watched the movie four times now. I still don't know what the room is. So I'm curious what you guys think. Does this qualify as the worst movie of all time? Ah, good question. Nope. <laughs> not, not even close. I, I don't think so either, to be honest. Okay. I, um, what, I mean, you guys first, and then we can debate. But... Troll 2. Um, that oh, definitely is going to be one of the next ones that we do on this, like, uh, this like carousel of shitty movies that we're going to go <laughs> to. But Troll 2, the synopsis is that goblins from Eastern Europe attack an American family and force them to become vegetarians because meat turns people evil. Okay? And they, <laughs> Sounds pretty good so far. No, I it, it's, it's fucking awful. At one point, one of the protagonists jumps up and pees on a table full of vegetables because he wants his meat. It's... It's just awful. 
and it's Troll 2, but there's no prequel. There is no Troll 1 that it is attributed to. So prep yourselves. That's next. (laughs) But I'd, I'd love to hear what other people think. I don't know. I I, th- I thought it was uh, it has entertainment value, right? <laughs> I, I, you can't deny that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, yeah, it's horribly put together and really just awkward to watch. But again, it has entertainment value. And I, from what Troll Two sounds like, I think there could they could do a lot worse. So I don't think it is the worst movie of all time. Yeah, I, I think it is. It is really low quality. Um, I mean, they had a huge budget. I don't know what it went to, but it ended up being low quality, which is, uh, you know, amazing in and of itself, but there are things like Troll 2 that uh, probably tried harder to try to achieve a bigger sort of loftier loftier goal goal and fell harder to to hit a rock bottom. So, I would agree there's there's certainly things out there much worse. I mean, it's hard to define what is, like, bad. Right. I mean, no, the, no, Emil. Your taste in movies <laughs> is terrible. But I'd yeah. love to hear what your worst movie is. <laughs> the worst movie of all time that I've seen is House of the Dead. Uh, House of the Dead, based off the video game, the first person. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of one of our audience members saying he saw the movie. It is that is the worst movie ever. It's like if you took if you if Johnny was or Tommy was directed an action movie. But. I mean, I've seen scenes from House of the Dead. It's got pretty good CGI in there, right? I mean, they cut they cut a fool in half with glass, and like one half of him like no, is that not that, House no, of the Dead? No, that's uh, I think th- Thirteen Ghosts. Oh, yeah, okay, my ghosts. my bad. Yeah, Never no. mind. House of the Dead. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> shitty. Yeah, world. my bad. It's another House of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. I I just think it's all it's hard to define what is like the like the worst movie mm-hmm. you've ever seen, and you know it, like. And it's not like this was made by, like, Nicolas Cage. It was made by, like, a nobody, right? Like, were any of these people actually... call him a nobody. Yeah. He's totally <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Oh, with Zoe Farrell. Oh, yeah. Did you see the intro? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That opening uh, graphic was uh, ingrained in our memories of all time. But it's like, you know, it, like, Bruce Willis makes really shitty movies now, like... Nick Cage. I mean, they, they're genre movies, though. This has no genre. I can't place this film. I really can't. Is it a romantic drama? Is it a comedy? I like. There's, there's nothing. And, and this is why it's so abstract. You know, this is like when you watch a fucking French film and then like they eat a croissant and they look really sullen. Yeah. You don't know where to place it. There's an artistic value to this that like circumvents Ooh, its other way. Its other. Wise worthlessness as a, as a piece of media, you know. Wow, that was that was Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was high quality. Uh, yeah. put, put that as Respect. the top review on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Respect, man, that was sick. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the other movie that comes to mind is, and shout out to Adam Chang for uh, Miami Connection. I highly recommend everybody watch the Miami Connection, which is a film made by a. A Taekwondo instructor who wanted to bring his the art of Taekwondo to the United States by making his film. So he spent his whole like life savings to make a film and eventually went bankrupt. I mean, I, I the story behind that just makes it like even that much more hilarious. I think. I mean, it's sad that he went bankrupt. Eventually, he got back on his feet. But uh, you know, a guy who's like really passionate about like an art and then just you know decided to take full creative responsibility, you know, writing, directing, choreographing, all of that, and it came out to be a shit movie. And that, that's called the it, control issue. <laughs> and, and I have seen The Miami Connection with Emil, and I yeah. would say that that one, uh, 
to get to my point of having loftier goals and falling farther, they actually had fight scenes. They had, it was a more dynamic movie. They had it, There was a taekwondo rock band that would go around <laughs> playing shows and then beating up bad guys. Yeah. I mean, they tried to do a lot more with it than just, like, is she fucking my friend? Is she not? And, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm used, supposed to use curse words, but I just... No, said, no, no. All right, fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Miami Connection would qualify for something like that because it was trying to do a lot more with it. It yeah. didn't, didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess really what was... The question is, what was Tommy Wiseau's goal, right? What was he really trying to change? I mean, he get, like the only semi-meaningful like meaningful dialogue is when he's on the rooftop talking to Denny about, like, if there was more love in the world, the world would be a better place. Well, see, and, and you know, that's, that's kind of why that I feel as though there is a little bit of direction in this film. Because for as like convoluted as it is, there's a very clear message here that Tommy Wiseau does not fucking trust women. <laughs> like this is if if there is ever like a gold digging anti feminist like women bashing film, this is the film to watch. Like the entire the entire like concept of most of the female characters, including Lisa, including her mother, is that they are just after men for their security. I mean, this is the you know men's rights movements like. You know, uh, anthem right here. You know, like because you know all 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 Tommy does is provide for her day in day out, and at the end of the day, what she wants is something like untangible and something that she can't define. But all she wants Tommy for is his money, really. So you know, there's some value there. And even when she has the affair with his best friend, yeah. his best friend thinks or says explicitly, why did you do this to me? Yeah. As if he has no blame at all in this. <laughs> because women are manipulative. <laughs> Sorry, please come back, gangbangers. We <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not misogynistic people at all. No. Well, guys, thanks for being on this episode with us. Uh, Jeff, Lou, and I have been uh, looking for more contributors to the uh, E-Wang Bang gangbangers. Gangbangers, E-Wang Bang gangbangers. That, that, sir, is a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get heard it, you hear it here first. The gangbangers are a mouthful. <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> This is the Meal Wang. This is Jeff Lou. It's Dan Luddy. It's Eric Swan. <laughs> See you Wang Bang Podcast. Keep on banging.